0: It's time for the Retire ASAP podcast. Here's
1: your host, Taylor Fike. Welcome to the Retire ASAP show where our goal is to get you free from work as soon as possible. My name is Taylor Fike and with me I have Brad Fike. Yeah, that's me. And I think I'm talking a little clearer than you are today. Yeah, I I'm a little little groggy and froggy. Froggy was the word I'm looking for. I'm a little froggy. You got a froggy throat? Yeah, I feel like I have a little person sitting on my throat right now. It's just, it just doesn't feel right. Gargle. Gargle. Yeah. Wait, but Grandma said, not, and Grandma's always know. Uh, she does. She know. said, with laryngitis, you're not supposed to gargle. It's not good for your larynx. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know that. Well, neither did I, but Grandma Fike says it, and if Grandma says it, it's probably true. Did she suggest, like, bourbon and honey? She did joke about that, and I told her that I did try that, and it hadn't worked. Oh. It's a, have you ever had a hot toddy before? I guess it's warm. It's hot water, lemon, honey, and a half a shot of bourbon. That worked, but not for my sore throat. Oh. It just tasted really good. I <laughs> can't imagine that even tasting good, but maybe it does. Well, it's it's Yeah, it's like a bourbon tea is what Don't it they usually like. use that to go to sleep at night? I'll have a hot toddy, please. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. That's it put me question. right to sleep because I went and took a nap then. This is on Saturday. <laughs> so it does work. So it, it worked for sleeping, that's for that sure. put you out of your misery for a while, too. At least too, for then. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I took like a two-hour nap on Saturday. It was wonderful, except I'm still a little froggy. There you go. So anyway, welcome to our show where we talk about retirement, not about um, homemade issues. remedies. <laughs> but um, this week, we're continuing our series, um, and I'm going to let Brad do a lot of the talking here, but we're continuing our series on to part two of the financial stepping stones. And we talked a little bit in week one about the first four steps. We talked about step number one being you need to start a budget. Step number two is starting your emergency fund with at least $2,000. Step number three, begin investing in your employer plan at work. So you like a 401k or 403b. And if you don't have one of those, then at least investing $100 a month. And then we got to step four, which is pay off your short-term debt, your credit cards, your vehicles, your student loans, anything that's less than 10 years. If you're on to step four, you're trying to get rid of that. Because when you start getting rid of that, you free up some capital. And capital is really important when you're building your wealth. You want to have access to money so that you can use it to put it to work for you so that you can grow your wealth. So those are the first four. We're going to go over the next four. And these are the final four stepping stones. And again, these are not our ideas. We've, we've kind of put together a Frankenstein of finance, if you could say, from some leading experts like Dave Ramsey and Joseph Sangle and a few other guys who have written books, a guy like Art Rainer, There's lots of guys out there who talk about personal finance. What we've done is we just take some of the ones that make the most sense for our clients and what we've seen in our experience. And so these ideas, they aren't brand new. They aren't groundbreaking. There's nothing magical about them. It's just a matter of being disciplined and working your way through it. Right. And that's the hardest
0: part. You know, so once you get to that uh, last step we talked about, which was uh, paying off short term debt, it's very easy to get yourself caught up in to having free money and you know having loose change in the pocket again so to speak or you know checking accounts starts to fill up because I'm not writing checks to all the credit cards or to the home equity line for the four-wheeler I bought or stuff like that you know so you got to have discipline so you hit the nail on the head when you said it does take discipline it isn't rocket science but it does take discipline which in itself is a whole different segment That probably is rocket science, right? I mean, that's a difficult thing for everybody.
1: Absolutely. And I think we should probably touch on this before we get into these steps is that really the biggest factor in all this is that discipline side of things. But really what it comes down to is how passionate are you about getting your finances right? Do you really truly care about getting these things organized or is this just not a priority? Cuz if it's not a priority, that's okay, but you need to you need to call it what it is. You need to call a spade a spade, right? Yeah, and I I'm, I'm guessing if you're got
0: this far into it, you're halfway down the list that you're probably bought into it. I would guess that people that uh aren't 100% engaged are probably off the tracks by step one or two. So yeah. So if you're this far into it, if you're actually doing it, then you're probably on a, on a go pattern and uh, let's stick with it.
1: And there are some, there's some interesting individuals out there who like to follow step it, like steps like this. They like to follow it just for the sake of following a process. They're odd. They just like to say, hey, I checked this box and I move on to the next thing. And that's, that's what motivates them to keep on going. But for the rest of us, or at least me, I should say, and, and the people in my camp, I don't do these for fun. I don't like to pay my short-term debt and then turn around and not go spend my extra money that I just got in my pocket. You know, that would be my natural way of doing things. I choose these disciplines for a different reason. I have different ideas. I want my son to be able to have the flexibility to choose if he wants to go to college or if he wants to go to trade school or whatever. I want to give him that ability. I know that I want to have a place, a safe home for him to grow up in. And so going through these stepping stones, I have a bigger picture in mind. I have a bigger vision these are the obstacles in my way that I need to overcome. But really, I'm doing this for something bigger. And I think some people realize this, some people don't. But really, when it comes down to deciding to be disciplined, it's not about, being disciplined because you enjoy discipline. Nobody really enjoys that. No, you know, I think the guys in boot camp in the military, they don't enjoy going to training camp and getting yelled at and going through all those crazy training drills. They do it because there's a bigger purpose to it. And that's the same thing with these financial stepping stones. We do these because there's something bigger on the other end that we're trying to accomplish.
0: Yeah. And also keep in mind, and this goes back to the same thing with a budget, to a guy that has a lot of money, it says, I've never budgeted in my life. Uh, do a budget and... Uh, get your retirement uh, figures, numbers put together, and then throw it away. I don't care, but we need to have a budget. And the same thing with this. You got to have the steps. And once you get through the steps, you're probably not going to reverse yourself back into a pattern that's going to make you go back through the eight steps, right? Right. So- It is a one time and done in some circumstances. I'm not saying that you're going to get your eight steps and you're forever free and never deal with it again, because you're always going to deal with temptation of whatever. But I'm going to guess that most of the people that complete the eight steps perfectly are not going to have to fall back through them. They could. I mean, there's curve balls that can be thrown at you major health conditions that can screw the whole process up, right? But for the most part, you're not going to go back through
1: it. Well, and these these are safeguards too. Each step protects you from the step below it. Right, That you're working your way forward and putting up more guardrails along the way so that if something happens, you are protecting yourself long term. As we're going to talk about here, the final step is that you're investing 30% of your gross income. So if you're sitting there and you're still working, you have income coming in, you're investing 30% of that money into something for retirement, there's a lot of room to make mistakes right? If you had a health issue, you have a lot of liquid cash that you can say, you know what? I'm going to stop investing for now before I have to go to credit card debt to make this work out. I'm going to stop investing to pay off these medical bills or whatever it is. Each one of these steps, the further you get down there is protecting yourself from some catastrophe that could wipe out your family's financial peace. That's the whole goal.
0: Right. And I, I don't know if we've brought it up at the beginning or not, but this can be done at any stage of life. I don't care how old you are, you know? Well, maybe if you're six years old, you don't need to worry about it. Should I tell Ollie? He's yeah, almost three. Ollie, you're you two years started. old. You need to start on the oh, eight step. you budget. <laughs> um, but, you know, I have people come in here, my age group, slow 60s, getting ready to retire. And their eight steps are completely uh, maligned. They're not even, you know, there's just nothing nothing works so they really need to go through these this process right and so you can't just say well I'm 55 it's too late for me no it's not it's it's actually today is the great day to start it
1: Absolutely, and and some of these things may not apply to you. If you know these are general, we talked about this in episode one. These are very general, ten thousand foot view from what you should be doing. So if we look at this in the grand scheme of things, you may have a different step eight or a different step six because your circumstances are slightly different. Maybe you're a business owner, or you have a family inheritance, or something along the lines that that throws a different curveball into this. That's okay. But that's why you have a financial advisor involved in this stuff.
0: Yeah. And I think that's what sets us apart from the guys that are on national radio and national programs where you pay. It's, it's very general. They're going to give you these steps. They're going to explain how to do it. But each individual, every one of you listening here has a different and unique situation. You need a professional to help you get through it. You can do it yourself. Well, and it, it will probably work okay, hopefully. Yeah. But if you have a professional helping you, it's, it's a lot easier.
1: Absolutely. So without further ado, maybe we should actually get into some of yeah, steps. Yeah, let's do it. So, okay, we ended with paying off your short-term debt, which is a huge, huge uh, lift to your, to your pockets, right? If you pay off a car, you're looking at maybe a couple hundred extra dollars a month in your pocket that you aren't spending, right? Or if you pay off a student loan, maybe it's even more than that. Maybe you're up to paying off a car and a student loan, you're saving five, 600 bucks a month that aren't going out the door to pay your debts. You are now keeping that in your pocket. So what do you do with it? So we started at step number two being emergency fund is $2,000 at a minimum. Now that we've freed up some money from our short-term debt, I want you to build an emergency fund that's going to last three to six months of your expenses. Now, here's the weird thing. The only way you know what your three to six months of expenses is, is how? Well, you got to do a budget. Oh, a budget?
0: Yeah. So
1: we got to start in the right place
0: with the budget. Yep. And again, it's that dirty word, right? You know? So, like, one question—I hate to digress here for a second—but with that, let's use that example of a couple hundred bucks freed up. Can I go like play the lottery because I, mean, I could hit big and then I could
1: skip the rest of the steps? That, I mean, you can. I'll tell you what—better statistics than the lottery has been the stock market over the last twenty-five years. I'll so tell do you that. So there's
0: some Robin Hood gambling, you know, kind of that kind of
1: stuff. That, that could work. I heard Dogecoin is like up to sixty cents or something today. Oh, so and that when man. I last looked at it, it was like two or three cents.
0: Is that a recommendation?
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> that they can they can pr- well actually i guess it's the same as any as the u.s dollar they can print as many doge coins as they want yeah. the u.s dollar does the same thing so you know maybe it's not as crazy as an idea uh, as i thought but who knows i'm not recommending dogecoin coin any way. all that crypto Anybody? is kind of crazy but yeah. you can certainly speculate if you want to that's up to you but I, wouldn't encourage to. It. I don't think that's on any of these steps not in any of these eight no. so
0: anyhow yeah step number five is to build that up to three to six months of expenses and the idea is that if you become disabled, if you have a, a layoff, and some of this stuff, uh, I had a fellow that got, uh, had a disability, short-term disability through his employer, and uh, needed to get a surgery done, and it took almost four months for him to get his first check, and he was just a mess about it. I had told him, I go, that's exactly why you have to have three to six months of expenses set aside, and that's why it's stepped Five in this thing is because you got to have it for those situations. You never know. And yes, I have disability insurance, short term, long term, and those kind of things that will help pay. But it takes a while for you to get a doctor's report and get all the tests done and to get this uh, figured out to where the insurance company's gonna. Oh, okay, this is a legitimate claim. We'll pay you now. That's just one example. There's other situations that can delay that, and so you need that money set aside.
1: Yeah, I've never met a quick insurance company. That's just not a thing. They they go through everything with a fine tooth comb, especially when it's taking money out of their pocket. So when you actually file a claim on a disability policy, it takes time. And you know what doesn't take time? for the water company to shut off your water because you didn't pay your water bill. They <laughs> don't true. wait around because you're waiting on insurance. You know, So these are the types of things where you need to be prepared in case something does happen. Nobody knows when they're going to get laid off. If they knew that, then you know it'd be a much different experience. But I just had a friend who's been with a manufacturer for 20 years, just got laid off. And they said, well, we might have a job for you in six months. We might not. So he's filing for unemployment and all this stuff. But the first check hasn't hit yet. And I said, so what are you doing? He says, well, luckily I have some savings. Yeah, luckily, because even though there are backdrops in the system to help you get through this stuff like unemployment, it doesn't always come through on day one when you need it. And when you need groceries in the refrigerator, you better hope you have some savings back. Or diapers for the kid. Or diapers for the kid. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to do cloth diapers if they don't have to, right? That's that's a nasty cleaning no. job. So anyway, so that's a pretty
0: simple step right there, really, because what we're saying is you take the money you freed up. Don't start spending it on lottery tickets. Start putting it away until you get that three to six months. Again, a budget is going to be required to know what that number is. Hopefully you've already done that before you even went this process. So you have some kind of idea what your life needs to look like on a day to day basis. But you just got to, you know, it's a simple process. It's about writing the numbers down and going, all right, I got to take that excess money. I'm not going to let it build up in my, my little cash drawer where I can go buy lottery tickets or go out and get pizza and uh, go out to dinner and buy more clothes, things like that and uh, or say I got my credit cards paid off now and now I'm going to start using them. Just but swiping. I promise to myself, I'm going to pay them off every month and then I don't, okay? So uh, these are things, that, this is a critical step here because it does take a big discipline at this
1: point. Absolutely. Well, and and here's one thing I do want to say, um, and this is more of a little nuance of this whole system. You do still want to celebrate your wins. When you pay off your short-term debts, that's an exciting moment in your life. And I don't want you to ever think that You know, if you paid off a couple thousand dollars on a credit card or you paid off your first vehicle and you own it outright for the first time ever, those are worth celebrating moments. And you should go out and maybe have a good dinner or go out and celebrate and have A cheap meal of some sort, or maybe you go and buy something that you've planned to buy and you know you can afford as a celebration gift. Those things can happen, but you need to plan for those celebrations. You can't just say, Well, now that I got an extra 250 bucks in my pocket a month, I'm going to go and do this all the time. But it needs to be something where you say, Look, once I pay off my credit card, I'm going to take that first month of savings, that first 150 bucks a month, and I'm going to go out and have a good time with my wife or with my husband or whatever it is, I'm going to go celebrate this or I'm going to buy my kid that toy that he's always wanted that I never thought I could get for him. I'm going to do that now. But it's a one-time thing. It's a one-time celebration that I'm getting back into the discipline cycle. Right.
0: Yeah. I, I I don't disagree with that.
1: Celebrating's good. It's just you have to do it within reason. You have to plan for it. It can't be just some um, off the whim because I feel like it and I know I have this flexibility now. That can't be it. You still got to stay disciplined, but you can still celebrate too. Right. So three to six months of expenses. You have this freed up capital from your short term debt. You start putting it into savings. Once you get to that, and that number is up to you. Maybe three months makes you comfortable. You're good. good. With three. Maybe you need to go all the way to six, whatever it is. If you get all the way up to six months, once you're there done saving that, you don't need to keep adding to your savings. In fact, what I would encourage you to do is start investing. Because in most cases, savings, um, and this is the way that we would define savings in our office, they're going to be low interest, little to no risk type of places for your money. They're going to be things that are insured, like uh, savings accounts at a bank that are FDIC insured. Things like that where they have very, very little interest to it. I think the last savings account I saw that was online is given a half a percent of interest. That's not very much growth to your money. But the benefit is is that it's FDIC-insured, which means up to $250,000. If the bank goes out of business, the federal government will pay you back your money. So there's little to no risk whatsoever within an account like that. That's where I want your emergency fund. But once we hit to that number of the emergency fund we're comfortable with, we need to start putting our money to work for us. We already talked about in step number three, starting to invest in your 401k or your 403b or whatever you have at work, starting to invest there. Now I want to turn that up a notch because you have your short term uh, debt money that you've been saving your savings account. You've now reached the top of your savings account of where you want it to be. Now we want to roll that money into some sort of investment. Maybe it's a Roth IRA. Maybe it's a, a joint investment brokerage account. Whatever it is, you need to find that spot where you can put your money to work where it's getting better interest. Maybe something that's higher than inflation. Maybe you're a high-risk investor. You know, the S&P has averaged somewhere between 9 and 10% over the last couple decades. Those types of things where you're getting good returns. You're taking some risk, but you're getting good returns long-term where you're growing your wealth.
0: Yeah, and the S&P doesn't necessarily going to do that in the future. So past
1: results do not. Are not indicative of future results. I don't know if you guys could tell, but he's the chief <laughs> compliance officer at Fike Advisors.
0: Uh, yeah. So anyhow, you're gonna take that uh, extra money uh, after you've built your reserve, and you start investing it. And there, we can, you know, that's when you definitely need a professional. There's the world today has everybody thinking cheap, cheap, cheap when it comes to my investments. I'm going to go online. I can do this for next to nothing. I don't have to pay anybody. And that's fine. You can do that. And there's going to be a day, though, that you're going to need to go, when I get it out of here, I got to have tax. I'm going to have to do some studying to figure out how I'm going to get this out efficiently. Or I have to think about that every year as I'm building it as well. How am I going to do this that's tax efficient to me and and be beneficial? And if you like doing that and you want to study all that, go for it. I mean, we have people come in here and I always say, I can't help you. You love doing it, do it. But if you don't like it, you want to enjoy your life beyond the finance world, then you need to hire a professional to help you with that. So once you get to that level, you got to know that I think the real critical piece is find help, whether it's you studying the crap out of it or you find somebody
1: to help you. That's the critical piece to this step. And then just doing it. Absolutely. And I mean, I don't care what your financial advisor tells you. Their greatest value is not getting you investments. You can have access to almost all the investments available to you and to your financial advisor by just signing up for a TD Ameritrade account or something of the sort. You know, An E-Trade account or a Robinhood account. You can have access to a lot of things. Now, maybe not some of the institutional stuff, and there's some things that are a little exclusive, but the majority of investments out there, you can get access to it on your own the value of your financial advisor isn't what they have access to. It's what kind of advice they can give you for your circumstances. It's the wisdom and experience they have in the financial world to help you understand, well, what's the best tax route to take? What's the best long-term income drawing to take? How do I plan around this or that? How much do I need to start doing here or there to make sure I can reach this goal or that goal? You see, the conversation in our office, and we've shifted this over the years, because 15, 20 years ago, when you didn't have access to online platforms of investing, it was something where you had to go to a professional to get investments. Now that you can do that on your phone, my friends, they have Robinhood apps, they're buying and selling stocks all day long. Now, a lot of them are hurting because of that, because they have no idea what they're doing. And maybe that's you too, if you're a listener. But the idea is they have access to everything I have access to. The difference is, is that I know a little bit more because of the research we do and the experience we have about why we do what we do, why we have these investments, why we have them for this person versus not this person. Those types of conversations are the valuable part for your financial advisor.
0: Yeah. So uh, I think that's pretty simple. Uh, Take that extra money, invest it and uh, make sure
1: you're doing it right. Make sure you're looking at the tax. So, so in review there, step number six is going to be invest 15% of your gross income. So you've filled up that emergency fund. It's probably going to be pretty close if you have that monthly amount that you're putting in your emergency fund to be about 15% of your gross income as a family. And so you should be investing that somewhere. Now, whether that's maxing out a Roth or whatever other options are, that's something you need to talk to a financial professional about. But that's step number six. Now, step number seven is the one where a lot of people get ahead of themselves. And step number seven is once you start doing that 15%, any money above and beyond that needs to start paying down long-term debt. This is going to be that big shadow of a mortgage you might have if you own a house, or maybe it's um, a business loan that you might have if you own your own business, something along those lines. Long-term debt is anything that's 10 years or longer as a payout period. Okay? So... Step number seven is paying off that long-term debt. And this is a step that takes years and years and years. Patience. So a budget takes you an afternoon. Paying off your house, that can take 15 to 20 years if you're ahead of the game. Sometimes it takes 30 if you're on track. Those are the types of conversations you need to have at that point. Right. And
0: uh, again, that's that's a cut and dry situation, but you need to, uh, if you have multiple debts, long-term debts at this point. Again, you need to analyze that and decide which ones you're going to go after first or different strategies and everybody's going to be different. So once again, you can't say pay this one off first because it has less interest or has a longer term or shorter term or all the different variants. You got to look at each person as an individual and say,
1: what makes the most sense for you? Now, I've had this question before, and I think we should touch base on it. Why is it that we're investing money before we're paying off debt? Because there's some professionals, and don't quote me on this, but Dave Ramsey talks about this, that you need to be completely out of debt before you start investing massive amounts of money. He would probably disagree with the 15% investing before paying off your house. So do you have any insights on that? Any ideas?
0: Well, he's allowed to his opinions as well as we're allowed to our opinions. But my thought would be uh, the power of compounding through investing is extremely important. Yes, is compounding against your investments? In, in other words, compounding of interest you're paying to someone to, to have a loan or debt. Yeah, that's, that's another compounding in a negative way. But you also have to weigh out what I'm earning and what I'm paying. So if I'm earning a decent return on my investments and I'm paying less on borrowing money on my house, let's say my—it's just an example. Let's say my house interest is four percent, and my average return on my investments has been five or six percent. Does it make sense to take five or six percent money I'm earning and compounding to pay off something that's costing me four percent? No. And now I'm not saying that is the perfect answer. I'm just saying that's an example of a situation that has to be analyzed you can't just go well i think you should pay all that four percent debt off well i'm losing opportunity on my money to compound and what is the big benefit of compounding and investing it's time absolutely the sooner i get it in the quicker i can get that compounding event so now if I'm paying 22% on a credit card and I'm earning 5 or 6% on my investments that's a no brainer. I need to get the credit card out of my life. But so these are things at this point in time you're needing an analysis of yourself and your personal finance situation, not a 30,000 foot view
1: of it. Right. And this is where you need personal help, one-on-one help to get it done right. Absolutely. And here's the interesting thing that I run into a lot too, because people love to skip to step number seven. Maybe they don't have, you know, their emergency fund or anything like that. They'll skip right to step number seven when they receive an inheritance. I don't know. Have, has that been your experience? People yeah. come into, you know, and- this doesn't happen all the time, but we've had clients come into our office and they may get $100,000 from one of their parents who just passed away. And the first thing they want to do with it, okay, I'm going to pay off my house. And I just, I shake my head. I go, why? What? What is such a hurry to pay off your house? And I think really it's just the idea of having land and a property that you own. That's like, there's just something valuable emotionally to that. But really what they're doing is they're skipping all the steps ahead of that because they see this giant bill and they know how much it costs them monthly. You know, could be a thousand, could be more, could be less. But this giant bill that comes out every month to pay your mortgage, they see that number and they say, I'm going to take all this money and I'm going to get that back in my pocket. Then I'll spread this out and pay off other stuff. And I always have to tell people, slow down and this is a later step. Paying off your house is a later step in the process because the return on the investment of paying off your house may not be nearly as good as paying off other debts or starting to invest that money.
0: And we've had this discussion. In fact, I think I saw a video that we did years, a couple years ago on good debt versus bad debt. Yeah. And uh, home debt is not bad debt in my mind. Now, some people's mind might say a home mortgage is bad debt. I think it's good debt, but that's up for discussion. But uh, that's where my mind
1: is. I'm going to throw the link to that video. I I haven't, I forgot about that video. I'll throw the link. It's a YouTube video. I'll throw the link in the description here so uh, they can access it and they can check that video out. But good debt versus bad debt is huge. So absolutely. So I know we went off on a little tangent there, but really the idea is that paying off your house or paying off your business, these are later steps in the process because there are other things that are higher priority for building your wealth. Now, don't get me wrong. Owning real estate is a huge piece of being wealthy. I know that when we look across the board, a lot of the wealthiest people in the world, they own a lot of real estate. But the idea here is that that is not how you're going to build your wealth if you're the average American. The average American doesn't build their wealth by paying off their house. They build their wealth through other means. Yeah. And I'm not saying there isn't
0: real estate investing people that are that have a system and that's fine. That's a different world. It's right. not
1: the average Joe out there. And you're looking at that as an investment. So you can use your previous step of your 15% that you're investing. You can use that as a real estate investment, not so much as a investment in the stock market. Correct. That can be a different conversation. Right. So step number seven is paying off your long-term debt. And that leads into the final step, which is step number eight, and that is investing 30% of your gross income. Oh, I thought you were going to say, go to Vegas and have a good time. Well, I'm sure that Ugh. once you pay off your house, you can celebrate by going to Vegas one time with a limited amount of money.
0: Okay. <laughs> That's a, that doesn't sound very disciplined.
1: That sounds like I'm somebody's dad. You can go, but here's the rules I if you go. have to be
0: disciplined and only go once. Yeah. That's like having one cookie when there's a whole tray out in there. I'm telling you, it's
1: better for you that way. Maybe. <laughs> so anyway, okay, we're, wrapping it up, we're wrapping <laughs> it all up with 30% of your gross income being invested. And like I say, that can be investments in the market, investments in whatever investment you're currently using for your retirement planning. That's where you start to build real wealth because you're taking your capital, you're putting it to work for you. You may still be working at your regular job, but you're making money on the money that you aren't doing anything with which is that that's how capitalism works. We're taking our capital, we're putting it to work for us so that it's doing something while we're not doing something with it. Right.
0: And uh, this is when you will fly and this is when you will see the rewards. And when you get to the stage of life, uh, 55 and over, if you started this at a young age, you will be one happy camper. I guarantee it. If you wait till you're 55 and go through these steps, and you hit 70, you're gonna be a happy camper that you did it. There's no time that's too late to start it, but once you start seeing that 30% go to work, you'll be excited to open the quarterly statement. Except when there's a down market, sometimes you get no, a little yeah.
1: depressed. But no one's excited to For those most times. cases,
0: you're gonna you're gonna be wound up. You know, you're gonna be ready to get retired. And that's the whole goal, right? Retire ASAP. Let's get retired and let's enjoy life. Yeah. Now, some people love to work. That's fine, keep working. But if you do all these steps right, you're going to have an abundant life, not just abundant with cash, but abundant mentally means enjoying every little thing in life uh, with abundance.
1: Absolutely. And we talk about this. It's our tagline for the, the show is we want to get you free from work as soon as possible. Well, the only way to free you up from work is that you have your wealth being built from somewhere else. And that's a passive income of some sort of investment you're doing. It's taking that money that you're earning now and investing it for long term so that you can build a retirement out of something where you no longer have to count on your body and your mind to generate your income for you. Yep. And
0: uh, so I think the, the bottom line is just get started. If you need help, we're here to help you. And if you want to do it alone, go for it. And uh, if you fall off the tracks and you need help, give us a call.
1: Yeah, that's, I, that's true. I mean, one of the things uh, that you do have to keep in mind is that this is not a you know, rigid framework. This is a very flexible framework. So when you, when you trip up or you make a mistake or you spent too much money one month and you get behind on one of these things, don't kick yourself in the butt too hard. You need to be patient. You just need to find a way to work it all out. You need to stay disciplined and get back into those disciplines. But the reality is there is enough room for you to fail and get back up and fail and get back up multiple times throughout your life and still work through these eight steps and get to a comfortable, healthy retirement.
0: Yep. And as we always say, stay the
1: course. Stay the course. Well, uh, if you guys have any questions on what we're talking about here today, you can always email us. My email is taylor at fikeadvisors.com. Brad's is brad at fikeadvisors.com. You can head over to our website. There's some more information of other episodes that we have there. Uh, It's fikeadvisors.com. If you want to connect with us, go to our website. There's a schedule now button in the top right corner. You can schedule your free consultation appointment. We can do it over the phone. We can do it in person, whatever works for you. But that's your way. If you have questions on this for your personal experience, come see us and we'll talk through that stuff and we'll go over your specific scenario and see if we can help you. If we can, great. If we can't, we'll find someone who can. So check it out. FikeAdvisors.com schedule now button in the top right corner takes you right to our calendar pick a time that's convenient for you it only takes 20 to 30 minutes for us to talk with you and then we can go from there next episode a couple weeks from now you know what we're talking about nope me either i think we have a couple of different ideas up on the board so we can can talk about my lack of flexibility due to my
0: covid shot i can't do my yoga stuff right oh, now man my arm no, hurts.
1: No overhead stretches because yeah. your shoulder hurts? Could you get a violin out for me? Right yeah, now? I'm playing the world's smallest one right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm afraid of that. The financial yoga is indisposed from his yoga classes for now.
0: I'm just a yoga injury. My financial yoga is still working fine because <laughs> I, I
1: don't need that arm for that. Well, hopefully in a couple weeks you'll have recovered from that and we can report back that you're back to your yoga I so. stuff. I hope I'm ready. <laughs> well, everybody, have a good rest of your week and we'll talk soon.